Hi, Madeline. Hello. Thank you so much for coming. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Is this the official start? <laughs> this is the intro. It's official. <laughs> you know, I thought I would get better at that, and I just haven't. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hello. Sweet greetings. How are you today? I'm doing really well. I actually woke up super grateful because I've just had an amazing weekend. Like, may I go into Can you share what you did? I, I realize this is about me, which is hard. <laughs> the last podcast I was on, apparently the hosts were like, yeah, Madeline was fun, but she kept apologizing for talking. So I'm going to try not to do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm a little tired because I played volleyball this morning and it is hot as heck outside. But uh, this weekend on Friday, I saw my favorite improv group in the world, Big Grande at Dad's Garage. And my show, Road Trip, was right after that. Both shows sold out. And um, in the in-between, in the green room, I got to talk to all of them. And like one of them, the one who's like on TV, remembered me, which makes me feel like I'm really creepy because he remembered me from meeting him after Ben Schwartz here at the Tabernacle. And then also in New York when I just serendipitously saw them. And so like that just was like, ah, because I've like seen them all a couple times, even ridden an elevator with one of them. And that's my most embarrassing moment I've ever had. So glad (laughs) that guy didn't remember it. Um, Yeah, so that was just magic. They're so incredible. Check them out. They have like a video called Live On Set on YouTube, which I recommend to everybody. And then also they have like multiple podcasts, but the most well-known one is Teacher's Lounge. And then I have my own show and it just was a delight. It's always the best. Road Trip is such a blessing and the crowd is always just so magical and the the cast is always just so supportive and kind and beautiful and it's just blissful and then I went to a wedding yesterday and that was fun and so just like all around really great really long answer how are you doing oh my gosh Madeline (laughs) where's your energy coming from a wedding would have been my whole weekend that would have been it and that was like on top of you also selling out a show congrats yeah so fun it's yeah, it's a magical thing. I feel like we'll get into it, but the show has existed for over a year now, and the last four shows have been at Dad's Garage, and each time has sold out. Like, it's just, I mean, every time, I don't mean to seem surprised, but every time I'm like, wow, that's so cool. Like, thank you, thank you. And I say that to the audience. I'm like, it means the world you're here, and I genuinely mean it. It just, it takes a lot of work to pull something together. I mean, even like with you hosting this like it takes a lot of work to do anything and so it's just nice when people appreciate it and want to be there and just celebrate it and the vibes are just really positive it's just really magic it's magic yeah yeah I'm so glad to hear that because you deserve it seriously and I'm not surprised that it's successful I mean I know it's like hard to hear compliments like it's hard (laughs) to receive compliments but like you've been successful as long as I've known you like since day one I was like she is booked and busy She's always working on something or teaching somebody something like you you just make so much time for other people which I think is so generous that's very kind of you to say I feel like we, and we were talking before recording just like a little bit about mentors and I've had a lot of good mentors in my life who have made time for me and it is important though to find that balance and that's been like an ongoing thing too just like okay yeah booked and busy is great but also taking time for yourself or like feeding the other parts of your life that give you that happiness and that excitement as well and in terms of like success too like um i feel like people define success in different ways and again i feel like we'll get into this we're already already only in like (laughs) three minutes in and i'm like let's talk philosophy uh but there's a movie called don't think twice and it's like 
different perspectives of people in an improv group and one person is like on their track to SNL and steps on everybody one like two of the people become writers and one person like becomes a teacher and then joins an improv group that they really love and I was like ah that character Uh uh-huh yes I like that so like success is like yeah what I'm doing right now and it doesn't always mean selling out, which that's a great thing. Please keep coming to my shows. But also it's just like the joy and like, oh, I love doing this. I love putting this together. I love what it gives to the people who are in attendance, no matter the like number of people who show up, but also the people who are in it, as long as like we're all finding joy in this. Very cheesy. Three minutes in and we're cheesy as heck. No, but that's, that's what so weddings true. do. <laughs> I'm in a sentimental mood. You know, actually, I've only been to one wedding in my life, and what? they got divorced a year and a what? half later, so I feel like <laughs> it's just kind of a wash. <laughs> You're not invited to my wedding now. I'm sorry. <laughs> my track record is not good. No. Like, the is oh, no. How long did they last? So, so short. Like, oh, I want to say two years or less. Could yeah. you call it? Did you go and you were like, ah, this isn't going to last? Yeah, but some... <laughs> yes. <laughs> of course. I, I know a bad vibe when I see one. Oh my and gosh. Yeah. Come be around me all the time. I don't know. I don't know if I trust my intuition all the time. I'm like, everyone's nice. And then I've been bamboozled. I've been fooled. So that's I... good that you have that inner knowing. <laughs> inner knowing. You make it sound so fancy. No, I just like... I, I try to focus on that a lot because sometimes you're not wrong when you feel yeah. that the energy is off. Like I try to be yeah. like a dog in that way because <laughs> <laughs> they're really good at sensing whether or not a person is good. Like if, yeah. if I were to bring someone home and my dog didn't like them, I would seriously take that into consideration. Whoa. Has a dog ever not liked you? Because I've like had that feeling sometimes when an animal like isn't gravitating towards me, I'm like, am I a bad person? <laughs> All cats. <laughs> cats don't really like me. What? Yeah. I think I come off like too much energy for them. You know how they get scared oh. easily? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you know. Because you're a dog. You have, you try to be <laughs> like dogs apparently in your day to day. Okay. Let me, <laughs> oh, let yes. me change this conversation to something much more interesting. Oh, Oh my gosh, Cats we want to talk about you. <laughs> See, this is what I do. I will ask you questions. <laughs> this is your podcast, Madeline. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, so can you just kind of describe how you first got interested in improv and how much experience you have? Because I know you have a lot. Yeah. Um, I've always loved theater since the beginning of time. My sister is four years older than I am, and she was in like all the shows in her schooling. So like, I kind of followed her footsteps we even like wrote plays together as kids so with our cousins so like loved theater did every show possible in any capacity throughout middle school and high school and fell in love with comedy in high school and joined the improv team as well when i was 14 cuz my sister was in it before i was and so yeah i just i, I don't know I, I fell in love with it in high school and i even like growing up as most people my age did like, grew up watching Whose Line Is It Anyway? That was part of my routine every single night. Like, at midnight, I think it would come on, on ABC Family. And then I would fall asleep at some point and wake up to the 700 Club. But <laughs> not as fun as Whose Line. Um, so, yeah, I, I just, I was like, all the lead comedic roles in high school. So I, I love just performing. And then when I got to college, I didn't have time to do 
theater anymore because mm -hmm. I was in marching band, I was an RA, I was in a music fraternity, I was in mock trial. I just was in all these things. You didn't love have to load time? My schedule. What? <laughs> With that schedule? <laughs> yeah, people, even now, my friends are like, Madeline, you realize you're not applying for college anymore. Like, you don't need to coach a basketball team two times a week and, like, do all this stuff. <laughs> like, you... You can calm down. Um, <laughs> you don't need all the extracurriculars, but I, I just, I love to do a lot of things. Um, but when I got to college, yeah, I didn't have time for theater because they had rehearsals from like five to 11. So I found Improv Athens and I joined that. And that was like a group of people who took it so seriously. We were self-led. We had three rehearsals a week, one of which was like an open rehearsal to anybody who would be interested in doing improv and we would teach. And so I got experience teaching, and then we would have two to three shows a week in my time there. So we would do a serious, like an hour show experimental on Thursdays, and then two shows on Fridays that would pack out 200 person rooms. Like it was insane. The, we were so lucky, <laughs> like hearing other people's upbringings. I just think we were so lucky. And it was so cool because like everyone in a way wanted to make it. Um, everyone just was so driven, reading all the books. And even though we didn't have like a coach necessarily, like, the fact that people were so serious about it really, I think, shaped us into fantastic performers and really prepared us for what was next. And so when I graduated college, I didn't really know like what was next. And the only thing I knew was dad's garage in Atlanta. So I emailed them and I ended up taking level three at dad's. And I was like, hey, how do you get into this? And the teacher just was like, you hang around. And I was like, well, I don't really want to hang around. Like, I want to be actively doing this. I, I had been doing it so often every single week. So, like, you go through that withdrawal. And so I reached out to people who I had graduated with and a couple people who are older. And we formed a group called Six Kids in a Trench Coat, now Six Kids. And we created a following and we're like keeping up with that consistent schedule, Mondays and Wednesday rehearsals. And then we had a monthly show at Relapse Theater, which is now closed. And we were regular at like Highwire, which is now closed, and Village <laughs> Theater, which is now closed. Do you perform at any open theaters? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, great spaces with the promise that some of them might come back. Uh, Village is now Limelight, great space. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we did that until the pandemic. And then, you know, pandemic shifted our lives and... Then when we got back, kind of everyone had gotten married and moved away. So our drive was different. Our expectations were different. And I was like, well, I want to like, I want to teach. And I loved teaching along everyone. And I kind of didn't have like the courage to do it alone. I always kind of wanted like them to come with me. And same thing with like performing as often as possible. And they were like, hey, we love you and we support you. But we just are all doing our own thing. So go on your own. And so I connected with a guy at Roll Call after teaching at a summer camp for eight weeks improv and theater and started teaching my own course. And I've been doing that the last two years. And that's been amazing, or I guess year and a half. Uh, I really, I'm all over the place, but I've been doing improv for 14 <laughs> years. I really don't like counting high school. Uh, it is what it is. I don't know. I don't really think time e equates to like... Uh, like yeah, goodness, <laughs> uh, skill level. But I also think, you know, it's hard to be like, yeah, I'm great at this, but I do think the fact that my, my work speaks for itself. I think the fact that I've had over 70 students who have just taken my class because they've seen me perform. And then some of them come, like the retention rate for the second class is very high. 
and then the fact that my show has existed for over a year. I feel like that kind of speaks to it, but it's also yeah. weird to be like, I know what I'm doing because, you know, no one really knows what they're doing and we're all just constantly figuring it out. So yeah, I've touched every theater in Atlanta in some way and that's what I tell like my students. I'm like, if that impresses you, great. If it doesn't, well, you're, you're paying to be here. So hopefully I give you something that comes to your, like is added to your tool belt. But I feel like that, how did I get involved? Did I answer the question? Yes, no, that was that was great. I like, that's really, it is really impressive. And I was actually thinking about you recently because I've taken all the classes at dad's, but I've never taken any of your classes. And I've just seen a consistent pattern in people who've taken your classes specifically, that they're very confident. They're very like open to play and to be crazy and to not like, like to take it seriously, but not be so serious and that you can't be extremely goofy and playful. And so that's something that I was like, I, I need more of that. Like I should oh. be in Madeline's class. Cause like that, it stands out for sure. Like your, your teaching style and you're just like, the coolest person ever oh so like <laughs> yeah that's great and I was gonna ask you like what is your favorite part about teaching like what what kind of feeling does it bring you yeah oh my gosh thank you for saying that first of all I do think we should all be constant learners and I think everyone has something to offer like I'm even currently in a class right now so like that's the way that I can best be a teacher and performer by putting myself in those positions. And also like if I'm learning, I can take that stuff and bring it to my students. So I try to be as like absorbent as possible. Um, the question, <laughs> my favorite part about being a teacher, I always, ah, man, I, in another life, maybe I would have been one. And I actually was discerning, be, discerning being an actual teacher, which is why I went to that eight week summer camp to teach improv and theater because I was like maybe this is the path I should go on but ultimately I love my life right now and I love my schedule I love staying up late and teachers don't make enough money true <laughs> not to get political um, <laughs> but I I always like coached people like I was a coach uh summer uh, a swim camp swim camp swim please delete that <laughs> I was a swimming coach for six years and I coached basketball for three years like I just love working with people and I think what I love about like teaching is igniting the spark in somebody making not making them but like encouraging them to believe in themselves so like being alongside the journey as they realize that like they are capable of so much and the first week of my class because I call the first one a foundational class I really harp on it not being an intro because it welcomes anybody at any point in their improv journey because I believe you can learn anything from anybody and because I've learned the most by going to jams like I learn from people who are better than I am so then I have to get to their level I learn from people who are very fresh and green because then I have to like lift them up. I learn from steamrollers who are the absolute worst, but you're like, hey, how can I support this? So support this person and still elevate them regardless. And so like in my class, I'm like, hey, leave your ego at the door. No matter where you are, you can learn something from somebody. And that's like something in life too. So every week is like, it's called foundational because a lot of the time improvisers like harp on, on like having the right format and if you like get a great format, that's cool. But if you can't pull off a scene, then it's not gonna, it's gonna flop. It's not gonna be good. So every single week we have a focus that will help you pull off a successful scene. And the first week is like really focusing on like, hey, being your authentic self is all you need. Like you are interesting enough as you are to exist. And that is great. And like, it's so funny because we did that in 
my class, the class I'm taking, and I was like, okay, cool, that's really affirming that I'm teaching that, but I struggled with it. And the teacher was like, yeah, you teach the stuff that you need to work on. And I was like, yeah, for sure. But people wanna see you be your authentic, honest self. They wanna connect with you. That's the stuff that people get excited about uh, in stories. So yeah, I think that's my favorite part about it. And seeing like a lot of my students just like, there is nothing that I can really give them. Like there's no ensemble at the end. There's nothing that like, reason they're taking it except for the fact that they love improv and they want to get good at it and like that's really cool to see a lot of people like form teams afterwards or like I really push them to go to jams I push them to take other classes just yeah if we improve improv all over the city then or improve improv get exposure then it just lifts us all up so that's really cool and then one more thing (laughs) please yes one more thing is that like in the few classes I have taken like I remember walking away not really knowing anyone in my class or their names and I really try to make a point like at least we're gonna become friends in some some way shape or form or you'll at least know everybody's names so like we have a group chat and people promote their shows half of them came to my road trip on Friday which was so adorable they were it's just like the sweetest thing so we're actually leaving with community and connections and like community is one of like the values that I strive for all yeah. my answers are going to be so long. I'm so excited. <laughs> How long do you have? <laughs> no, Madeline, yes. This is just, I'm so interested to know because this is a perspective I don't have. Cool. Because I've never, first of all, I'm, I'm not a very good teacher. Like I used to I don't to know tutor. about that. Well, you know, because it's a skill set. Like it's definitely, I don't know like why I'm not good at it, but like I just can feel that it's not my strong suit. So I love to hear people that are good at teaching and explaining like yourself and Avery Sharp. Oh my gosh, Avery. I just want him to guide me through life. I love that man. (laughs) Me too. He's the best. Me too. And he just makes everything so, I don't know if this is the right way to phrase it, so understandable. Yes. Like everything, he can make anything make sense in an understandable way, which I think is a really important skill. Oh yeah, he's excellent and he's so nurturing too and I think when we are doing something like improv that is vulnerable it is good to have somebody who is kind and empathetic like all the principles that we learn in improv are applicable to teaching or applicable to any aspect in life and yeah he's he's just great for that because you hear about like people in other cities who didn't make it and have that chip on their shoulder and just kind of aren't encouraging and it's like okay then why are you doing this because it is such a beautiful thing and people are putting themselves out there so like if you're accepting to be a teacher like help I don't know that wasn't really profound what I said but it just doesn't make sense to me why be there well because it makes money uh but uh, if you're gonna do improv like corporate stuff people are like do corporate or teach because that's really the only way to make money you're not really going to be making money by being an improviser that's like the thing that you hear yeah and I've I've noticed that I've I've really only been a part of this improv community here and I slightly dabbled with it when I lived in California but I've just noticed that yeah this community in particular is very welcoming and Mm. nurturing and I I forget who, who I was talking to about this but I said, I don't know if I love improv or if I love <laughs> improv with these people um, because I don't know if it's as like welcoming as our community is. And it does feel relatively close-knit. Like when you really think about the fact that we're all adults who don't have to be there. 
yeah. and like have other things we could be doing in lives. And yet yeah. we all choose to meet up weekly. It's kind of romantic in a way. Yeah. And I think people forget that with all like the logistical stuff. It's like, this is such a cool thing. Adults don't have this. People, the one thing humans have are each other and relationships. And as you get older, that becomes less and less a priority. And so the fact that we're all playing together, like I remember the first class I ever taught Malik Woodfield actually was like, I didn't have to be cool in the exercise. And I was like, yeah, none of us are cool. We're literally playing pretend. This is not cool. But <laughs> it's so cool that we're all playing pretend, actually. Like, that we don't care what people think. It is incredible. At some point, there's a shift in our lives where, like, we have to be a certain way. And I think just the sense of play and limitless limitlessness <laughs> and imagination <laughs> are just so important. And as far as like you doing it with this specific community, I think it's like any anything, it's like when people go to college, I feel like people enjoy wherever they go because you'll find the people who resonate with you. And like there might be people in this scene, as beautiful as it is, that you don't really click with and make you kind of not feel like a great improviser. But like you will find people who make you a great improviser. I feel yeah. like this doesn't really sound profound, but <laughs> the right people make you feel like you're like soaring I've recently found those people not only in my like personal life but like improv and it's like they elevate me so much they trust me so much they love me so much and it makes a world of difference it's yeah so I I don't know if you did do it in LA I don't want to bash on them I'm sure it would be just as fun it might be a little bit more cutthroat yeah yeah (laughs) yeah definitely yeah there are so many factors to it but I am really appreciative that I found this community when I did because I know it went through a transition when it was at roll call and then when it moved to the bookstore so luckily we were we stayed in the loop I think it was Kim who like found out via Instagram like oh they're doing it at a bookstore now so um because I remember I looked on the website and it wasn't there I was like oh it must be canceled forever but no it just moved well I love that you guys kept with it too because you guys are part of one of the most like basement party is so much fun so (laughs) I love that you kept with it and then now you're on teams it's just it's cool to see that journey happen and it's only been like a year so that's amazing no like thanks to you and thanks (laughs) to you and Brad and yeah like I'm, I'm just so grateful for the whole situation and yeah we were just talking about Avery you know I've gotten to I mean he's essentially been training us our team for like the past year and I feel so lucky you know I just took his level four class and I was like I'm glad I finally get to pay you for everything that you're teaching me (laughs) um so I'm just really grateful for it I do sorry it's something you said about um you're so thankful for Brett and just some other people and I do think the leadership here has like specifically Tim Stoltenberg at dad's garage and Brett Uh, have the mindset of a raising tide rising tide raises all ships and that's exactly what's going to foster positivity and foster actual growth like we all have to support each other every theater like we're not competing against each other shows aren't competing against each other what we're competing against is just like getting exposure and being like improv can be good because I think people especially tv shows make it seem terrible (laughs) and it can be but if we all just uh, focus on growing and just like uplifting each other and putting out quality work then people will be like wait improv is great <laughs> yeah what do you think is something that sorry this wasn't on the list of questions <laughs> oh no okay okay <laughs> no, podcasts no. are scary <laughs> <laughs> I can improvise a conversation <laughs> <laughs> what's something that 
normal people, quote normal people, so non-actors or people who don't want to make improv or improv-related activities a career. What do you think is something they can learn from improv that will help you in normal life? Yeah, there's so much. And so much that I teach that I forget about, too. So I actually (laughs) wrote it down. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you can cut that out. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Yeah, there's so much to learn. Uh, So I think just like being changeable, because you can never predict anything in life. And so being able to adapt and to let go is so important. And here I say that, and I have a hard time letting go. Like, you can't control how a show's going to go. You can't control how many audience members are going to go. But relinquishing that control and just, like, living in the present. Living in the present is, like, the second thing. Like, being adaptable, being present. I mean, if we're present in the moment with people around us, I feel like we live in a world where people are just numbing ourselves and we're just constantly, myself included, just like on reels or TikTok and just at any moment I'm listening to a podcast or something and I'm not actually like being with the people I'm with or like in the moment brushing my teeth and appreciating every little thing. I mean, there's so much to cherish in small things. So that, um, I mean, even the concept of yes and, just like if you've ever been in a conversation with somebody and like you're trying to be funny and they make you feel bad for that and it's just like, no, like just being playful with each other and like building upon someone's idea, whatever that might be. Playfulness too, just like willingness to look silly because no one's actually paying attention to you as much as you think they are. Uh, And I think, like I said earlier, like the empathy and, and listening. I think too, sometimes people are so caught up in their own head about what other people are gonna think or like how they are perceived that they're not, again, present. And so then they're not really listening to the person who's talking to them and you're not really seeing the person. So yeah, I think, yeah, just all that, all that stuff. And even like the empathy too with like, I think everyone, um, it's easy to like get opinionated or critical about what people are doing, but like recognizing that someone is being vulnerable, either if they've, they're just brand new to the scene or they've been doing it for a super long time, like they are being vulnerable and they're trying their best. And I think having that understanding of like, wow, this person is being themselves up there and like trying to see the positives in that. Cause I think it's easy to be like, oh, that person is, you know, stomping on everyone. And like, it's easy to hate that sort of person, but also recognizing like, wow, they're trying to. Um, There's actually somebody at a jam who like would do that in every single scene. And it really bothered me. And then he came up to me because like my favorite type of improviser is a supportive improviser. Um, And he came up to me afterwards and just was like, man, I want to learn more about what you do. And I was like, wow, I'm an asshole. Like I like judged you and like you're just trying. You're just learning. So just, yeah, empathy. And yeah, yeah. I I feel like there's so much to learn. Yeah, you could probably go on and on and on about that. And I think like that's the best part is you're constantly finding new reasons to add to that list. I love what do you what do you think? Good question. Yeah. I don't uh, know. Someone someone really smart asked it to me, so <laughs> um, yeah, well I was thinking about this recently, how I feel like it's made me a better listener. Mm-hmm. Um, because I I think my reason for not listening sometimes is that I'm busy being self conscious for whatever reason. Exactly, yeah. And so it's taught me to kind of 
like prioritize listening and think like, well, I'd rather look dumb and know exactly what's going on than to be sitting pretty and be worrying about myself and not fully hearing everything that's happening and listening. Because I would find that I would be standing on the sideline in scenes and even be Mm self-conscious. So now I'm just like trying to listen in more. So it's taught me to listen in and like you said, be present. That's really, really important. But it's also reminded me of how important your community is because I think I am surrounded by really great people who are supportive and and have your best interest in mind and want you to grow. And so I think that's helped me move a lot faster than if I would have been in an environment that that wasn't as supportive. And so I think that it's just a reminder of how important it is to choose your uh, friends well and to keep your community, you know, people that you would trust and like have your best interest in mind yeah I feel like I look like I'm about to cry but that really resonates super hard (laughs) like there's the saying of like you are the five people that you hang out with the most and actually at road trip on Friday Joel who is an improviser in the scene he's really great and he's he's taken my classes it's really sweet I've known him since the beginning of his journey and he's crushing it this this podcast now about Joel (laughs) um but I, he's just always been so supportive and encouraging and kind to everyone in the scene. And it is just so sweet. And I just said to him, I just was like, you know, it is really beautiful to have like all of you guys here tonight. Like even not only the support at the show, but I've just noticed in my own social circles recently, it's just, I'm surrounded by people who celebrate me versus people who tolerate me. And it's such a difference. It's mind blowing. It's, on stage, it's incredible. Off stage, it's just really cool to have friends who, like you said, like are invested in your growth. It makes you just better all around. I love that. I love that that's happening for you. I love that that's <laughs> happening for you. Wow, look at us. That's such a good way to put it. It's like we're surrounded by people who want to go above and beyond to let you know that they really care about you. And I love that we have so many shows, like friends that are in shows and shows that are happening, that it's really easy to support your friends. Yeah. And it gives you a really great way to show them that like, you know, they're trying new things, they're trying to get better, they're trying to get their reps in. It's really great to go and see where they're at on their journey. And you can kind of, you know, compare it to where you're at and you can look at them and like think, what are they learning from? What have they gotten better at that I should also be improving at? Like, it's a great way to support your friends and also support your own growth. Yeah. It's like a win-win. Yes, you learn a lot by watching. Yeah. Absolutely. And I feel like more than ever, the community is just, well, the cross-pollinating, so like connecting throughout theaters, which I think is really beneficial. But yeah, so supportive. It's wild. And they want to be there too, like... Because everyone's good. So, like, we're just watching good stuff, you know? It's not just because it's like, oh, that's my friend. But it's like, oh, what they're doing is going to spark something inside of me to either improve or just, like, improve or just, like, analyze their set and be like, oh, okay, what worked this time? What maybe didn't work this time? It's cool that we're all, like, approaching it with an analytical brain, too. Yeah. I think feedback is a gift. Like I very much, I mean, you don't want it from everybody. Sometimes I'm like a little too sensitive. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know if I can handle it right now. But for the most part, I'm like, I I really want to know what you thought about it, even if it's harsh, because I can't fix it if I don't know what my problem is. That is so true. And even interpersonal relationships too, like communicating. I love that you were like, oh, sometimes I can't 
take it because it's harsh, but it's like take feedback from people you want to be like. Not everyone deserves to give you that feedback. And sometimes it's unprompted and it's like, mm, didn't ask yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think it's hard because feedback, you know, it can hurt our feelings because with what we do, it is so vulnerable and our ego is wrapped into it. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to, you know, adjust that feedback person to person. Not everyone will take it well. And it's been a process too, like in the groups I've been in, like, you know, our egos are often to it. Everyone, like if everyone's very driven to like make this a great thing, like emotions might be high. And so it's been a process to learn how to give and to receive feedback. The sandwich method has always been like a helpful thing of like- Can you explain that? Yeah, a compliment and then constructive criticism and then a compliment. So you you want to just wrap it up nicely. So yeah. That, yeah, it's a little bit more digestible. And also to it's hard with improv too cuz like improv is just a momentary thing. It's not po- permanent. There are definitely things that you can learn from a set and take away, but to harp on it in any sort of way is kind of counterproductive. Like if it were improv to sketch where you're gonna eventually make this something written, like, yeah, okay, record it, work on it over and over again. But like this only exists in this moment in time. And so sometimes I think the feedback can get a little bit too much to the point where it's like, okay, we're just beating a dead horse. Yeah. So something I've enjoyed with like working with Brett is like, we'll rehash the set from like the things that we could personally involve in. So it's not like pointing fingers. And then sometimes patterns were like, oh, well, you play, we, the last three sets, we've played this dynamic. How can we make it different the next time? Or like, hey, like, I felt like you were even, you were a little bit resistant to me in all of our different relationships in the scene. I just wanted to make you aware of that so then we can set a goal for like the next time. Like, it wasn't a bad set, it wasn't a bad thing, but I really enjoy when we are both on the same page or when I've given the, the note like, I like it when we both get to be crazy characters because I don't always like playing the straight man. So just, yeah, being honest, but also using the I statements, being complimentary. It's it's hard because ego. Yeah, <laughs> it is. We used to, um, in college, have like feedback sessions where somebody would like sit in the front and we'd talk about what we love that they do and what we'd like to see them do more of. And everyone would kind of chime in. And I always found that beneficial. And I love honestly to get it more that's what I mean that's why I'm in class right now I'm like please give me feedback Mm -hmm. I want I want to get better but like you can't really there was something you said earlier I think you you don't know what you don't know you Mm -hmm. can't really see yourself so yeah I I love that we're talking about it feedback is good (laughs) (laughs) like you said you know sometimes you don't need to listen to everything that people mm, say. True. But you know, sometimes you, you're getting good feedback and you should put your ego aside and just think, you know, maybe there's some sense in this. Yeah. Maybe they don't totally get it. They don't know all the work that goes into it. You know what I mean? If they're not involved and they don't, you know, like they've never been on a team or they've never done a show. Yeah. They're coming from a different perspective, but it's still a, you know, a perspective nonetheless. So. Mm-hmm. And especially in a scene that is so positive, like the feedback can be beneficial because we're never going to grow if we're just always like good set. But then again, I feel like the positivity is at a jam, which you cannot rate yourself at a jam. Improv is all about trust and support and you're put in a group with strangers. So obviously you're not going to do like your best stuff. So when people like I've had students, it's their one rep a week. So I feel like there's a lot of weight for some people at a jam 
And I've heard that some people have like stayed awake at night just rehashing it. And it's like, one, people forget immediately after you go up. Like they'll just remember the faintness of like, oh yeah, I think I, I was smiling during that. But like to judge yourself on something where like you have, again, no control, like the letting go. Yeah. Just set that one goal for yourself. Like, I want to play a supportive character. I want to I want to uh, lead a scene or initiate. I want to do something different from what I normally do. And if you, like, set that goal and judge yourself based on that one thing, like, that's good. But, like, to judge yourself on a set at a jam is not worth it. It's not worth the energy. Yeah, that's so true. You know, that, like, it is serious in that you want to work on things and you're not there to waste your time. But mm-hmm. also, you know, there are a lot of factors at play and you can't really control that. And that's kind of the whole point. Yeah. So just giving yourself that one goal, which my goal always at a jam is just like to be like, I'm just playing around here because I yeah. am tired. <laughs> yeah. And I just want to be silly and we'll, I want to make people laugh. That's usually always my goal on any show. It's just like, I just want to make my partners laugh. Uh, but it is good to also be constructive and yeah. be like, oh, I have played for example, I play a lot of men for some reason. And so <laughs> lately in like gold check-ins, I've been like, well, maybe I'll play a sexy lady. Uh, so setting that like goal for yourself is really the one thing you can control. So, and then you can judge yourself based off of that. And if you don't hit it next week yeah. <laughs> or whatever, there's so many jams a week now. Yeah. I was going to ask you that actually, what goals do you have for yourself? Like, how do you What's your mindset going into getting like a chance to play, whether it's like a jam or a practice or a show? Like, how do you set goals for yourself and like, what's kind of your mindset? That's a great question. (laughs) 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 Yeah, goals. Uh, (laughs) um, I, I think it depends on the week. I think what I said about the jams like yeah jams I, I just like to be silly because I teach on Tuesdays and I used to teach on Wednesdays right before the jam too so I just was like okay I've been coaching for like two hours I just want to let loose um and just be playful with people usually at jams too I try to be super supportive I am a supportive player and I think that's my strength I always look at like the piece as a whole I think as a producer so with road trip I Yeah, I try to, again, like look at the piece as a whole. I want to make sure that there are like callbacks that we're tying it up together really nicely. I tend to, in the conservatory group, every single time I've set a goal, I'm like, I would love for this to be narrative. I am a narrative-based player. And so I love like the juiciness of the audience getting that satisfaction from a story and also seeing like characters be changed. Um, That's really satisfying to me. With Brett, it depends. Like, we kind of have group goals of, like, oh, we'll both start at the same time, or let's try this dynamic, or we did um, we did this last set, let's move around more and be playful, let's play a ton of different characters. So really, I think it depends on the situation. Mm-hmm. I did a duo with Karen Cassidy recently, too, which, long time in the making. She was the first person I met in the Atlanta scene in 2016. When I moved here in 2017, uh, she was somebody who I reached out to with like, hey, wh- where do I go? And she was my Scrooge last year in Christmas Carol at Dad's Garage. And she's just been a freaking light. She is an all-star. I love her so much. <laughs> this is she me. was hilarious. I saw Invasion of the Christmas uh, Carol. She, Yeah, she's you the best. You were great too. Oh, thank you. It was the best thing I've ever done. Um, <laughs> but we recently did a duo and she was like, I want to do a mono scene. I play at Dad's Garage and everything so can be so fast-paced and sometimes I don't get 
silence like people are scared of silence sometimes and like things are constantly moving which is a great style it's always fun to like uh get the laughs rolling but she and i both love theatrical stuff we both um we love like playing with silence and building tension and so she's like let's just do a mono scene for a set we had at roll call and i was like i don't know but our strengths are characters why can't we play multiple characters that's what i'm used to and i was like questioning it and we did it and we did like 25 minutes just two of the same people i had a moment where i could have shifted characters but i'm glad i sunk into it and aaron shore the producer improv producer at roll call just was like i could have watched you guys for an hour and he compared us to tj and dave which is insane because <laughs> uh, they are <laughs> they are so good um yeah I, I don't know it's it's case by case like i had class last sunday and we worked on characters and I thought characters were my strength, but I felt super uncomfortable in the class. And I was like, okay, un- uncomfortability leads to growth, but this is something that I need to focus on clearly. So I think it's like whatever you're recognizing that week of like, okay, this is where I ha- experienced uncomfort, bringing that goal into like the next thing. So yeah. case by case, I know that wasn't really clear. No, I mean, that's, that's true. It just depends on where you're at in your journey. And that's actually what I was gonna ask you is right now, are there any hurdles that you're facing or have you faced hurdles in the past and like how did you get around those yeah i think hurdles for me would be logistical ones so stepping into this like whole producer sort of role i was producing mads mixer at roll call for a period of time which was like a show where i featured instructors in the scene and it was like a bucket spot show so like duos with like somebody who could take care of whoever got pulled out of the bucket for 10 minutes. And then it was like a, um, I, uh, what is that? The, uh, man, I can't remember. Oh, a mockumentary set, a mockumentary jam set of the instructors afterwards. So I was doing that for a good bit. And then I was also at the same time producing Road Trip and which is an Armando show where I get a storyteller who is usually a stand-up because I used to do stand-up for a long time and then a rotating cast of improvisers from all over the city and so I was producing those two things I was in Six Kids and I was also in Camp Camp Crush was starting and then I was teaching two times a week and so just like all of the logistical things of working with different theaters different people and also wanting to do well that was a lot of like pressure I was putting on myself so I think just managing different personalities that's been a journey because like figuring out what makes me reactive and responsive and or causes me anxiety and learning how to deal with those things so that I can be easy to work with so that I can manage people because it's a lot of different personalities and also like with the thing of wanting to do well it's like we all want to do well I ultimately and when someone wants to do well that can be very fear-based which can lead to like either competitiveness or whatever like again ego is all wrapped up in it so it's been also like the journey of like rising tide raises all ships also like not tying my worth into this like things will work out I've put in a lot of work there's a Conan quote that I quote let me say that again. There's a Conan quote that I quote a lot. Uh, that's called, "If you work really hard, if you work really hard and you're kind, amazing things will happen." And so, like, I've worked really hard, and sometimes I let like the the pressure of it all get to me. But it's like, no, again, what can you control? Like relinquishing control. And so, um, if I can j- continue to just be kind and trust myself, like the product will happen. Like 
it, again, it doesn't matter how many people are in the seats. If people don't sign up for my class, that's okay. My value and worth shouldn't be tied into this. What matters is, is this providing joy for me? Is this fulfilling the two goals that I ever have, which is forming community and performing as much as possible? And if it's doing those two things, then that's all that matters. So yeah, it's just like learning how to, like anyone in like a company, just like learning how to work with different personalities and people. Yeah. And just also learning my, how I operate. And so the better I can take care of myself, the better I can take care of other people and the relationships that I have. So, and knowing that like, if someone is difficult to work with, that's not a reflection of me. That is whatever they're dealing with. And just either continuing to work with that person and over communicating because people, you know, email is, Email's the worst. It's just great to talk face-to-face with people. Um, uh, And then also just like working with people and places where you are valued. I think that's been a huge like learning and game changer for me. So I I think that's why like, no, I shouldn't say that. (laughs) Pull them back. <laughs> you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, it happens sometimes. Is there anything incriminating that I've said? I don't think so. I don't think so. Always. <laughs> I don't want anyone to read in anything I'm saying either. Um, but yeah, I just think ego is just a... a, a uh, no, don't include that. Yeah, I've yeah, said yeah, ego yeah, yeah. so many times. <laughs> no, but like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, that's like been a challenge. Yeah. No, that's... Ego has been my biggest hurdle, mm-hmm. honestly. Is, and I don't, I, I guess it would be ego, but maybe more insecurity. I don't know how all that stuff works. They're probably the same. I think find comfort though, that everyone's insecure. I know that's like a weird thing to say, but I did a show with like some top dogs at dad's once. And then we were in backstage and I remember them just like talking about like what they did out there and like the scene. And I was like, oh, these people are also insecure sometimes about the choices they make on stage. And then it just gave me the perspective of, we are all trying. We're all just trying our best. And so that like changed it for me in terms of like judging anyone on stage or like no matter where they're at on their journey, if they're like super successful and maybe, you know, like when you see like somebody had like a, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) I love you just have that moment of realization like, oh, I'm I'm not going to phrase this well. (laughs) I'm not that charming. But, oh my gosh. Uh, I'm looking at questions, by oh the yeah, way. I'm okay. not, I'm not. Yeah, all of a sudden, just taking That's my a biggest text. pet peeve. Like, <laughs> I get, it's such a turn off if I'm on a date or like having a one on one with someone yeah. and they're on their phone. I, I, I get the ick right away. Yeah. No. Oh my gosh. I was describing to the guy that I'm kind of seeing about what icks are. <laughs> you didn't know what they were. I was like, it's a, it's a win. Like, they tell you that they want to do stand-up. But I don't know. It's, it's something you can never recover from, is what it is. <laughs> yeah. We don't make the rules. <laughs> um, oh, okay. This is this might be a hard question to answer. But how do you know when you're watching good improv? I think when everyone is invested. When you can tell that the performers want to be there, they want to be performing with each other, and that the audience is invested in the scene as well. I think that is what... Uh, can hold on <laughs> can you just like end, end it after yes. I said the audience is invested <laughs> it, and it yeah. doesn't necessarily mean and it doesn't necessarily mean like 
huge laughs all the time either because I consider improv to be like art and theater and so some of the best scenes I've done like with Karen when we did a mono scene is a lot of it was silence but that silence builds that tension which the audience wants to break and then when they laugh it's super loud because of it and so we shouldn't be scared of silence but yeah it's a theatrical experience we are creating something as good as a book or a movie we are doing a play live in front of people Mm mm-hmm yeah, because, I mean, obviously, if you have more skilled people, it's more likely going to be a, a, quote, better show. But I think, I like, I try to think of it as, like, not in, in terms of laughs. Like, just because people aren't laughing doesn't mean that it's not really good. And like you said, yeah, the silence that creates that tension, that makes that laugh so much more, like, felt when there's that tension there. I, I really appreciate that when I see it but sometimes like when a show isn't getting a lot of laughs I'm just curious like you know what are people not seeing what am I seeing that I think is funny and like what what is technically good and what isn't good because I think that's been kind of an issue for me along my journey is like there isn't necessarily a straight path or like a correct answer all the time and it's just kind of like figuring out what works I think is what I've been trying to do. Like not necessarily trying to quote, be funny, but just be simple and find moments that become funny because they're like realistic or they're relatable or whatever. Yeah. That that was so long winded. No, what? I've been long winded. I loved that response. I was like quietly snapping along so that the (laughs) microphone didn't pick it up. I love, yeah, simplicity is key. I feel like people get in their heads so much about like, oh, I need to know all this stuff. That's an insecurity I have. I'm like, I need to know more. But really all you have, all you need is in your partner beside you and just digging deeper into that instead of going wide and like focusing on discovery versus invention. So like everything is a gift. I say to my class, that's also something normal people can learn from improv. Everything is a gift. So if you sigh, that gives me a cue of like, oh man, my partner feels some sort of way. Let's explore that. And so I think it's just like going with the intentionality of like, oh, exploration can help with that. And the more you do, the like obviously reps help, but that can help you figure out pacing of like, oh, what does this need? Uh, that's like what I like to look in at pieces. It's like, what does this need? What does this character need? What does the plot need? What can move it forward? And like just absorbing any sort of content, any sort of story, conversation, like you can learn those sorts of cues and that might help you with like figuring that sort of thing out. Yeah. Um, Man, you said a lot of good stuff. (laughs) I'm trying to like remember it. (laughs) Yeah, well, and I guess this kind of leads me to another question. Yeah. What do you think... Or, okay, let me rephrase. Um, how do you normally find the tilt for yourself? Like, what are you, what are you looking for in terms of like what the scene needs? Because sometimes I'm like, I, I want to know what would make this scene better and would cause it to, you know, a, a status change or would cause some sort of change that moves the scene along. But I don't know what the right choice is in that instance. Like, what, like what kind of choice would make the most sense and would move the scene along? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. That's a great question. And I feel like different people, I don't know if what I, nothing I say is law is the fun thing. <laughs> nothing any of us say is law. There's, uh, there's a director, Mick Napier, who founded The Annoyance, and his whole philosophy is fuck the rules. So like you can learn as many rules as you can. Also, and I haven't read her book yet, but I've listened to a, lo- a lot of her pod, like I've listened to a lot of her interviews, uh, Patty Styles, who wrote Improvise Freely, but it's just like when we get bogged down by all these rules or what should happen, what is the right choice, that is 
keeping us from moving forward and propelling whatever. We're just getting deeper and deeper into our head. Mm -hmm. So I hate that you even asked me that, like, what's the (laughs) right choice? Because you know what? There really isn't one. Yeah, Um, yeah. yeah. But on the sidelines, if uh, as a person who's editing or an edit can be like either, you know, a swipe, a tag out, whatever, uh, tap out. But I am editing for the benefit of my partners. I always say to my class, and I feel like Mark Kendall maybe told me this, but it's much easier to edit a scene at its peak than it is to revive one that has already died. Mm -hmm. And so like edit for the purpose of them, not just because you have an idea. Uh, Same with a walk-on. So like usually with what a scene might need is a walk-on. And so I'll escalate it in some way. And my walk-on should help what's already existing in the scene, not take away from it. Um, As somebody who's in the scene, I'd say like whatever it needs is just the best improv is just strongly reacting and being affected. That's all. The best improv is just being affected, making Mm. everything matter. So like if the scene needed something, a shift in some way, how do I feel about this person right now? Like how is this affecting my character and what am I going to do about it? When we watch improv, like the audience is watching this slice of life. Why? Why is this the particular moment that they are seeing? So I think just like asking yourself why and also just bringing it back to the relationship and how you feel in that Mm -hmm. moment could really help. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. I never thought about it like that. What? (laughs) What? Cool. Shocking. You're a good teacher. (laughs) No, that makes sense because it's like, why would you be watching this if something wasn't going to happen or change? Like it would just kind of be random. Oh, yeah. And as people, like it's not as hard as we're making it out to be, right? In this moment, like you probably walked in with a different feeling than you're experiencing now. We are constantly being affected and changed. And so like having a strong emotional choice at the beginning of scene is a great way to like help out with character or like help the scene form and start, but then also being willing to like let that shift depending on whatever your, your partner is bringing to you. Yeah. I feel like I forget. I like black out as I'm talking. <laughs> and I'm like, is, am I making sense? <laughs> no, me too. That's why sometimes I want my friends to come to my shows because I'm like, can you tell me what happened? <laughs> <laughs> That's honestly good. You're being in the I'm moment. <laughs> um, what is a, a common mistake that you see newbies make? Other than, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of obvious things that they're doing, but what's like a common. <laughs> so we're finally going to the questions list. <laughs> Just want to make sure I bring out my long list of mistakes people make. I'm just kidding. Um, I remember the first thing that I wanted to say was that you can cut that out. Sorry. No, no, you're good. You're good. Um, just want to see what I thought. Wow. I don't. You're good. It's a lot. I'm reading through some of these as well. Yeah, maybe we'll both <laughs> regroup. <laughs> this is incredible. I mean, you must be learning so much by talking to all these people. Yeah. It's crazy. It's been, it's been nothing short of awesome. Oh, beginner mistakes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. There's a couple of things. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you had just asked a question. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. What was my question? I'll rephrase it. Uh, uh, what is the biggest uh, beginner mistake? Yeah. What's a mistake that you often see beginners make? There's a couple things I think. And this is actually advice that I got at the beginning of my marketing career is comparing your chapter one to someone's chapter 11 
And it goes to like what I was saying about people at jams just giving themselves a really hard time when they just get that one rep a week and they it didn't end up how they expected. So that, like, hey, we're all growing. The people at Chapter 11 are still learning and growing. Uh, in fact, in the character uh, class that I had the other week, we were like regrouping and someone was just sharing about how they felt really behind. And I just turned to her and I was like, hey, like that exercise made me super uncomfortable. I've been doing this for 14 years. I'm also a teacher. I am learning. That uncomfort though is really exciting because that just means that I have places to improve and that I'm not stagnating, right? Like the moment we get comfortable is when we get stagnant and stale. So I think just like celebrating your little wins along the way and just being patient with yourself is one thing with beginners. I also think like the pressure to be the funniest person in the room is a big one. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not that important. It goes back to what we were saying about like simplicity is great, listening is great. Like if someone's striving to like be the funniest person in the room or even just like drop a joke every single second, sometimes just like saying that quick and like funny joke halts the scene and doesn't help it and doesn't help progress it. And it's like, great, you said that thing. Now there's nowhere for this to really go. And I can tell that you're not being present and that you're not listening. And that's actually a hard thing to give feedback to with people. Like I've been in groups where I'm like, hey, like I didn't feel listened to. And because like everyone needed to be the funniest person in the room. And that's like a kind of a hard thing to tell and kind of a hard thing for somebody to take on. But it is such a difference watching somebody who like really absorbs everything that's being said on stage and honors it. Um, And then I think another thing that uh, beginners do, and it's because we're all hungry and even people who have been doing it for a long time, is overdoing it. Like it's really important to get reps, but like overwhelming yourself to the point where you're not having any balance in your life. It's really important to focus on balance and other things that bring you joy because that's also something that you can pull from. And that's like, has been a, the talk and like some stand-up too. Like I used to do stand-up a lot from like college until the pandemic. And I was like out every single night, like sometimes hitting three shows a night. And I was prioritizing it over my friends and my relationships. And then the pandemic in a way like forced me to find other things that brought me joy. And I was like, dang, relationships are important. Going outside and, and exercising is important. Like those other things need to fill you because then you also just have more to pull from. Yeah. So I think all, all those things are things that like beginners, but all of us could work on. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, that's a really good point. The second one that you made about um, like making those jokes that don't move the scene along. Mm-hmm. Because I also used to do that at the beginning uh, when I was first learning because I was like, any laugh is a good laugh was kind of like my mentality. <laughs> And now I'm like, yeah, th- that will get a laugh probably if it's a funny one-off joke and like, you know, that can be good and like maybe you can end it there and that's fine. But like when it happens a lot, it, it to me, it's, it's not building. Like everything you say should be meaningful. Like you, just kind of doing one-liners like that, even though it's funny in the moment, it's not very supportive for your teammates because then you're not really giving them any offers or any uh, more information. You're just making a joke. Yeah. And it's like it goes to like what's making people invested what's making you more invested what's making your partner what's making the audience invested in that and like yeah the laugh but now where do we go yeah like oh haha anyways <laughs> yeah that, that's kind of how it feels and now looking back sometimes at doing it I was like 
I, I did that a couple times and I got laughs and I felt like that was encouraging. But then I had to step back and be like, I'd rather get less laughs and work on something else that's going to be more useful. Like, you know, working on building scenes and maybe getting less laughs, but actually trying to work on things as opposed to trying to have your best performance every time you perform. Mm, true. Because okay. you're, you're never... Oh, man, I feel like it was like Amy Puller or somebody that was like, statistically, they're not all going to be bangers. You're going to have a lot of bad shows. <laughs> so you can't like harp on like those bad shows but it goes like to the goal like okay if I had this goal this time I want to work on that thing it's like great okay pat yourself on the back also just pat yourself on the back for doing this I think we kind of mentioned it earlier but it's crazy what we do and I think it's so easy to forget it and to like remember that this is such a beautiful thing and that so many people are scared to do it and we are putting ourselves out there in such a way that is so impressive so I think just having that moment of like, wow, I'm a, I'm a badass <laughs> for that. Are we allowed to curse? I don't even really curse. I've just said ass twice. <laughs> oh, you're so funny. Yes, you can do whatever you want. I actually wasn't for sure at the beginning, but they haven't said anything. Oh, no. They haven't kicked me off Spotify, so I guess it's oh, fine. I'll be the person that gets you kicked off Spotify? How? <laughs> no. No way. Um, what's a piece of advice that you received that's really stuck with you? Hmm. I I think remembering that like what this is all for is really important so that this is a joyful thing that's really important because it can get hard to for all the reasons that we've talked about like yeah to market a show, to work with like a, a venue and like get your show up, to get people to a show, begging all of your friends, to work with a group and have the same expectations and goals. Um, that can all be hard. So just remembering that it's for joy. And um, I think, yeah, there's two other things. I think also having the mindset of when you go on stage, just having the mindset of like, I love this person, it makes a world of difference. I love this person, whatever they bring to me is going to be the best idea. And I think that can, that mindset can really shift, shift a set. If you also know that like, wow, if my partners are editing me, it's because they have the best idea ever and it's they're looking out for me. And same thing like other way around. Um, I had somebody in a show recently who apologized for a tap out and I was like, no, I, First of all, it was a great choice. It's exactly what I wanted. But who hurt you and made you think that like that choice would not be great? Like I loved it. And I think just having that idea of like, yeah, love, love at the root of it all. Uh, and then the third thing, like which was feedback that I got a long time ago in college, we had Mick Napier, the guy I referenced earlier, which is wild, uh, <laughs> come to one of our rehearsals and in like five minutes of watching us gave us each nailed it on the head feedback. So he's like somebody who like worked with Tina Fey at Second City. Like he's like top dog, uh, very intimidating. He like does not laugh at comedy now. It's like, I've seen enough uh, sort of thing. Um, <laughs> he went out to eat with us afterwards and he told me I had a nice spirit and I've just been riding that wave since. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> but he like assessed all of us in like five minutes. The most impressive thing. If I could get to a point where I'm a teacher like that, incredible I would love that but he told me that I was too aggressive and I think that's something that like 
newer improvisers deal with of like, oh, aggression or conflict is interesting. And that's not always the case. Like I was saying with Brett, like sometimes we'll have the goal of like, let's match energy because that's just when we're on the same team, we're unstoppable and it's more fun. It's more fun to watch people who are like having a good time. And that doesn't mean conflict is bad. Certainly I do a lot of scenes with marital strife. (laughs) So I love it. Um, Oftentimes my dad will be like, you were sad a lot in that set. So like, you know, I take the advice, but just not like, you know, coming out with like such strong aggression. So that's been something that uh, I think I've improved on now, (laughs) maybe in like seven years, however long it's been. So Yeah. Well, I think I was talking to Bridget Fitzgerald about this, how with her and I think with you too sometimes it's like you're you're so much stronger and more confident and more experienced than like the group that you're in at least like when I'm with Bridget like she you know she also has a lot of experience and plays a lot of bold characters and she's always like am I coming on too aggressive am I coming on too strong and I'm like no I think you're just like so bold and confident but Mm. she because she knows that's something that like you know has been said to her I guess before and I'll cut this part um, but I don't, I hate talking about other people. Wait, so should I not respond? No, 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 you can't, but now that I'm saying it, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I should have <laughs> okay, said that. Yeah, we can just cut it off. <laughs> Thank you for saying it. I'm strong. That's something though I've realized, and you, you can leave this out, um, but of like coming off strong, a man would never second guess that. And that's very interesting. And I've realized that in the management portion of what I do is like, oh, I don't want to come across, like, I don't want to hurt feelings ever. And I just have, because I can be very direct. And, or I care a lot, and I'm very passionate. And so it has ruffled, like, it has made people react in a way that's not positive. And despite me trying to communicate and, like, fix, it's like, I've seen a man act in the same way and not get the same response. And I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. That's fun. (laughs) That's true. That's something I've been working on lately, is being comfortable taking space. And uh, like being comfortable with the silence and letting it be a slow burn, as opposed to I sometimes I feel rushed and like if I don't get to the point quickly, I'm gonna get cut off or I'm gonna get tagged out or I'm gonna get steamrolled or I'm gonna you know I'm like afraid of not getting what I want to say out, so I rush through it. Mm. And it's like you should be more confident and take that space and that time. And like you know you can't help it if you get steamrolled or something like that happens, but like. It doesn't happen that often and you should, and I think if you do command your space and take up more space, it's less likely that that's going to happen. But if I come on a little insecure, that maybe will make people more prone to jumping on what I'm saying. Yeah, that's really true. Like, oh, I need to save this person. We uh, maybe articulating that to your team or if maybe that's something you experience in jams, it's like, hey, let's be comfortable with silence or even just like having someone alone on stage. One, the person being alone and being comfortable with that, but also like the trust on the back end, on the back line, um, (laughs) that like you can survive and they don't need to save you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that just comes with time and experience too. And like I've gotten better with that but yeah just be be more comfortable as a as a person but as a woman too like take your space take your time don't feel rushed by you know anyone else which you know typically for me it would be like men that I would like get steamrolled by my favorite thing is being in a group with all guys I love it because I love (laughs) taking space I love like taking yeah I love taking control especially at relapse it used to be kickers which was a wild jam 20 minute sets with like 10 people 
And some of those characters were just wild people. Uh, Cole Wadsworth has actually said, like, yeah, I think either he got hit or saw somebody else get hit. And not to say, like, the jam was amazing, and Chris Nick and Meg uh, created such a wonderful space, but just sometimes some randos would come in and steamroll like heck. But my favorite thing is being like, Oh, you're going to steamroll? Okay, let me make this work and let me make it funny. I, I love it. Or like, oh, you're a dude who's talking to me and you think you're like the hottest thing on the town. <laughs> Not going to curse. Um, uh, okay, let's let's have fun. I'm going to support the heck out of you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to support you so hard. Um, not to like make it about gender though too, because yeah, everyone has ego. Everyone yeah. can do that way. Yeah, exactly. And I'm in a group, usually I'm one of one of two girls maybe that's on it. And like, it's, yeah. it's not like they do that to me or <laughs> anything. It's mostly like if I get steamrolled, it would be at a jam. Yes. yes. Which you like sometimes. But- yeah, I, I don't know. In a weird way, I like it. You like when you get steamrolled or like when people are kind of doing that thing? When it's like, because then that's a moment to practice releasing control. There was once we were doing a set at Bibliotech and a woman started to sing. And I was like, heck yeah. All right, we're singing now. We're singing Annie now. It like had nothing to do with whatever we were doing. But I loved it. And our whole group joined. And I think that that it resembles the coming from a place of love instead of trying to control what's happening it's like let's follow the fun here let's like be invested in it make it matter and like the audience loved it i remember like after that set people were like that was super fun and that happened a couple times during that set like she was fun but wild (laughs) um what do you look for in characters like, what, what about a character interests you and you're like, I want to play that or I want to try that? Mm-hmm. It's kind of a hard question. I, I should probably rephrase it. No, I, I like it. Uh, when forming a character, I think... Um, when forming a character, I think a lot of the time people can get in their head about like, oh, I need to have like a different physicality or a different voice. And whenever I teach it, I'm like, yeah, those elements are awesome and those can help you find new characters that you probably wouldn't experiment with otherwise. But a character is just a point of view and seeing the world through a certain lens. And so, like I said earlier, like an emotion can kind of help you experience that lens so it'll inform how I interact with my partner how I interact Mm -hmm. with my space how I even respond the cadence of my response might be informed by my emotion a physicality can also help you with that as far as like what I see I guess what do you gravitate towards in characters (laughs) I play men a lot (laughs) do you know why that is like do you ever well a couple women in the conservatory actually like talked about that like we're like we play men and is it because we're afraid to be our our authentic selves like am I afraid to be sexy on stage and I like but sexy can be different for everyone when I brought that up to Tim in a class he was like sexy looks different for everyone and I'm like okay but whenever I, I try to be sexy even at the wedding last night I I tried to like do a little hip action <laughs> i can't do it without being a goof <laughs> but that is me being sexy i guess <laughs> i just said sexy so many times will we get taken off spotify just say it one more time. <laughs> um i gravitate towards i think it, it i think i do what the scene needs often and so i have played a lot of straight men lately 
but I do gravitate towards being kids. I love working with kids, so maybe that's why I, I've just worked with them so much that that like state of mind is really easy to go to, and it's more playful. Um, and I also really enjoy being men. I also play a lot of gremlin characters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love just like finding different ways to use my body and my voice and being kind of kooky. Mm-hmm. So be, you don't really gravitate towards like being quote sexy or traditionally sexy. Is there anything else <laughs> that you? Is there anything else that you're like? Eh, I don't want to do that. I think it's just the sexy thing. Yeah. Well, obviously, I'm not going to play any race or anything that's not yeah. mine. Or I usually tell people to pull from experience, and so you get into testy waters if you try to do that. Um, also, like minorities just in general like even um disabilities of sorts it's like someone once played a blind person in a scene recently but they weren't the butt of the joke so never punch down he like he was just a blind character and that was it and he wasn't the joke and so he just was like a kid with a birthday party and that's that's fine like he wasn't the butt of the joke but i usually don't really gravitate towards those sorts of characters either um yeah. But they but like we talked about it in class and it was like, well, yeah, blind people exist and so and blind people have bir- is this weird that I'm talking? <laughs> well, I'm like, yeah, maybe let's stop right there. <laughs> yeah, we- <laughs> See, sometimes I'm like this I don't know. <laughs> sometimes I'm not fully thinking what I'm talking. <laughs> uh, what was the question? But um no, I was just like answer it I was just curious like cuz you're so good at doing a lot of characters cuz like you've been you have so much experience. Like I'm sure you tried a ton of characters. Just curious if there was like if there were any characters that you you know like maybe aren't your strengths or maybe aren't things that are as fun for you for whatever reason. I think I can get in my head about impressions. Oh, like we did an exercise which has been super helpful. I've now done it twice where you think about an impression and you don't tell anybody and you do like maybe your worst impression of that impression and have that inform the character and that is great but like when somebody asked me to be a celebrity i'm like what celebrity do i know and i can't think of anybody so that kind of got in my head a little bit but very useful exercise like if you go and be like oh it's like that doesn't sound like elvis but it's certainly a voice and it's (laughs) now can inform whatever is happening so yeah impressions are you yeah yeah (laughs) that's a that's a good answer because impressions are hard because yeah, I don't know a lot, first of all. Like, I can't even off the top of my head think of a lot. But then people can immediately tell whether or not it's good because they're actually basing it on, you know, like, like something that it should be. So it's like, if you're not spot on, then it's not good. But then, like, yeah, like you were saying, you know, you could, like, embrace that, too. Like, yeah. trying. Oh, yeah. I was once gifted that I was Usher in a scene. And I just <laughs> talked as me because I was like, no, I'm not going to first of all, portray Usher, <laughs> but yeah. I just like danced a little goofy and just like slid onto the stage, but that was it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's like a way to handle it. And also if you're like just using the impression, not necessarily you're being that person, but you're just using that voice to create a new character. That's like a really good exercise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Period. no sexiness here. Uh-huh. Maybe I'll be, maybe I'll try Marilyn Monroe singing happy birthday at some point. 
Oh. That, yeah, she sang to JFK. Happy oh. birthday. It's like a popular. She like whispers happy birthday. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I've seen the video. Oh, I love her so much. <laughs> oh, did you watch the movie that came out? No, because I heard bad things. Oh, no. Or like people just said it wasn't very good. That stinks. But, you know, only positive feedback here. So, I'll <laughs> yeah, um, maybe watch it, though, and see what, you know, you think, because maybe you'll yeah. enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. Wow, that picked that up so loud, at least on my end. I'm like, that was... Um, I was going to ask you, I know that you've accomplished quite a bit, not to fluff your feathers. <laughs> That's so nice. But obviously, yeah, you've accomplished a lot. So I'm just curious, like, what's your proudest accomplishment or what's a moment that really stuck with you for whatever reason? I write this down. <laughs> I think it was <laughs> Do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I had a couple of things. Am I just supposed to say one? <laughs> no, no, no. Just, and maybe you don't. Like maybe you have a bunch of moments that you love, but I'm just curious if any moments stick out that you just like really, you were having a really good time or it just felt like a really great night for you. Yeah, I think this, I'm going to answer with a couple things. <laughs> well, I think the answer is this past year has been incredible. And I think it's just like, man, I... In the last year, Brett and I decided to get serious. We talked about doing Camp Crush for over a year, and we finally committed to each other. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He's the best, though. I love him so much, and he inspires me greatly. So we finally got together, and we won the Village Improv Tournament. Competitions are silly, but I think that's what, like, solidified, like, oh, we have something special here. So that's one. Yeah, no, I, that was I was there. <laughs> it so was awesome. special. Again, competitions very silly, but the final round was so exciting because all the teams were so stellar, and just playing with him is a treat. I just feel so loved and supported. And other things this year is like road trip reaching one year. It's crazy because like I I'm very thankful for all of the audience members who have come out, all the improvisers who have been on it the stand-ups i've had maybe 80 ish improvisers on it i've had 30 stand-ups on it it's been at multiple venues and i'm very thankful for all of that but i also like headed it up alone and like that's came with like a lot of like hard feelings but also so much excitement because it is accomplishing like the goals of like community and performance and i've just been able to learn so much from playing with so many different wonderful people giving people who are kind of newer to the scene opportunity to play with super seasoned people in the scene playing with people that i just like don't get to play with normally so that's just been so joyful connecting the two worlds stand up and improv it just has been amazing to watch it grow from like i remember the day the first show ever like there was no one who had registered tickets for the show at Roll Call. And all day I was like privately messaging people and like maybe 12-ish people came or 20. Maybe it was like 12 to 20, but I I remember refreshing the page over and over again. And now it's selling out. And that's, and like people want to be on it. People want to be there to support it. It's really unreal. And it's nice to take a second to really appreciate that. Sorry, I'm answering two more things. No, no, (laughs) this is great. And I think... My class, just like, again, like the question of like, oh, will people even sign up? Like, 
for so long and every time I still have that like question but like the last two times it sold out with me not stressing out about it as much anymore and it's just like a testament to like I've really put in a lot of hard work over the last years I like went to jams every jam uh, as much as possible and like I just have really been working to put myself out there and to learn as much as I can even as a teacher it's like constantly reading absorbing learning everything and to see that kind of come to fruition is unreal because I wanted it for so long and I, I waited for the team I was with to kind of teach alongside me and we did workshops which Joseph Lopez actually said I and Lee have said that like they both took it in like 2016 or whatever and they're like no I was in college then <laughs> 2019 2018 uh the workshop with six kids and they were like we still think about that workshop and that's really cool to hear um yeah. But doing it on my own and making it happen, and like, again, I was given the love and support from them, um, has just been really affirming. It's like, yeah, don't wait for anyone. Make it happen if you want to make it happen. And then the last thing <laughs> in the last year is Christmas Carol. That was, yeah, it came at a time like, it was so weird. Like, a door closed in my life, and like, I was really upset about it and I was like oh my gosh like this is hard mm -hmm. and then the next day Maggot called me and was like hey someone dropped from the original cast and I would like you to take the part we start in two days and I was like what <laughs> <laughs> and they constantly say to me I always whenever I see Maggot I'm like thank you so much I love you thank you for giving that that experience and he's like Madeline you saved the show and like it truly, going into it, it is scripted, The Christmas Carol, with improvised elements every single time it's invaded by somebody new. See it at Dad's Garage every single Christmas, uh, holiday season. <laughs> <laughs> it is the best thing I've ever done. It goes to, like we talked about earlier, like scripted theater was my, my passion, and then I fell into improv out of convenience. And it is scripted theater with improv elements. It's truly the best thing in the world. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like you said that you don't really know a lot. I don't know a lot oftentimes. Like there's some pop culture. I'm like, uh-huh, sure. <laughs> um, so I was like, I don't know how I do. But Karen, who was Scrooge, also didn't know a lot. Like Velma walked in and she was like, Daphne from Scooby-Doo. We were like, no, Karen. <laughs> um, but like just being able to pull that show off and work with just a beautiful cast like every night felt like magic no like over 20 shows and each show we like no drama we loved each other a ton and we each like made a fantastic show every single time and it's like wow to do that uh, yeah a little bit of a pat on the back like that's insane yeah <laughs> it's just so there's just a lot oh there's so many good things <laughs> Oh man, I'm very lucky. It's been, this is a nice conversation because you're forcing me like to be like, wow, what are the things that I should be proud of? Because it's, it's easy to get like, oh, what's next? What's next? We live in a world of what's next. And it's like, no, take a time to take the time to count your wins, to appreciate what you have, to acknowledge all the goodness. So thank you for asking that. Yeah. A lot of good. No, yeah. Even, I mean, since I've known you, I think for probably a little over a year now like there were I've been there for a lot of those moments or like seen those and that's a lot to accomplish as one person like that's a first of all you have to be talented enough <laughs> to qualify but then also you have to be 
dependable and a good person to be around and you have to be able to perform under pressure it's like you you have to have a full package of skills it's not just about being good at improv or having scripted experience like you have to be a well-rounded person to be able to like take all these opportunities and put them to good use and like like you said like you you saved the show it's like that's so funny that like you were grateful to be there and then it's like you saved the show like obviously (laughs) you did need somebody (laughs) anybody Uh, yeah thank you oh gosh thank you for saying that that does sound weird hearing you say save the show I'm like ah (laughs) you saved the show (laughs) okay um but yeah I'm just really grateful that there's been so many good people around me I think it goes I keep saying I think it goes down to I keep saying that phrase but I attribute it to all the good people that we have surrounding us, all the people who give us the drive to keep being better. Brett's been a huge influence. Tim's been a huge influence. Like a lot of people at Dad's honestly have been really wonderful. Um, Mark Kendall, incredible mentor to me. So, and just like, again, the people who agree to do my shows, the people who agree to come to my shows, the, the venues that let me have them there. Like, I'm just very grateful that a lot has happened to make it possible. So it's it's amazing and the, the, even like sorry just another thing that's really sweet is just like students who want to keep learning from me I'm like that's you guys are the best thanks <laughs> like yeah. it's just so cool it's really cool I'm very grateful just a lot of gratitude and not just because yeah. I went to a wedding yesterday <laughs> and I'm full of love <laughs> oh my gosh oh that's oh you're so wholesome dude I like I'm just so, I feel like we're so lucky to have you. Like, honestly, I really do. And that's why I, I mean, obviously I was excited for this conversation, but like, I just, you do so much that I'm just curious, like, you know, what you're thinking in your head this whole time. Because like, I know from the outside, obviously it looks like you're doing a lot, but for you, like you're having a different experience with it. So I'm like curious, like where your mind's at and like how you're handling your accomplishments and like, if you're even noticing them. Mm. Maybe sometimes you, like, you know that they happened obviously, but you don't really reflect on them and like, be proud of yourself for doing that gosh thank you for saying that and it's not as like people are always like you're so busy and it's like not really that I don't know we're all busy right and I take time for myself I've started to do lavender baths oh what's that (laughs) like just a bath and then like Epsom salt and then lavender uh oil in it okay and like I've read six books in the last three months like I'm trying to take more time to myself because so many people are like you're doing a lot and it's like Yes, but also <laughs> I'm taking time for myself and that is important. And I do want to emphasize that people do that too. Balance, it's so important. You got to take care of yourself to be able to take care of others, to be able to put on good, to, to work hard, to put on good stuff. Yeah, that's what makes me want to work on myself a lot too. Other than, you, you know, it's always good to continue to grow, but it's like, I'll be a better friend to my friends, if I'm more secure, if I'm more confident, if I'm more capable, <laughs> etc. <cetera. laughs> I love that so much. Yeah. Because we want to be the person that, of the five people that people surround themselves with too, right? So yeah. what are we bringing to our friendships and the people who are giving us so much? Yeah. Wow. You just got me going. You got me feeling all like tender inside. <laughs> I didn't know if you'd want to do the podcast honestly what? because I was like this is amazing and I listened to like all of them <laughs> yeah so I know you talk about it so much so I'm like I'm sure she's heard all the questions she's like and everyone has a different viewpoint like 
I don't know. Yeah, and I love to talk about this. There's a lot I don't know about, right? And even in improv, there's still so much I don't know about. But I, I love this. So it's really fun to talk about. <laughs> it's fun that like you love it and you're learning so much and hearing what you're learning on your journey. And you are so insightful as a person. It's really cool to experience. You're just so sweet. <laughs> Thank you. No, I'm so glad we did this. And I guess I do have a, a final or like a wrap-up question. What's a short-term goal you have for yourself upcoming that you're working towards? Oh, boy. I think the letting go thing. Honestly, that's been the goal. Like, because I've auditioned for a couple things and just like being like, okay, if it's not meant for me right now, that means something else is meant for me. And so really believing that is hard to do. <laughs> yeah. Because there's stuff coming up that it's like, oh, I really want that. That would make me really happy. And I know I do a good job, but I also knowing that, okay, if that doesn't happen, what else am I going to work on? And so I think as far as things that I'm working on, uh, goal, Brett and I want to do festivals soon. So that's something that I really want to happen. Festivals are so much fun. I've... I was fortunate to go to the Del Close Marathon a couple times, and that was in New York, and then in LA the last year it existed, and that's where the embarrassing moment happened in the elevator with that guy from Big Grande, uh, <laughs> and Jack McBrayer. I was like, God, that. <laughs> um, but yeah, you just see some of the best of the best improv, and you just get so inspired. I love watch. I love watching stuff like the VSP showcases. Those are always inspiring to watch because it's like, wow, okay, I'm marveling at all of this talent. Um, I did one of the like auditions, maybe the last round, and it made me so uncomfortable. So like seeking more things that make me uncomfortable. John Carr was like, "What in your field can you can you do more of that puts you in that state?" because that's what's going to, again, lead to growth. So festivals, things that make me uncomfortable. Maybe the next time VSP comes around, trying that again. Because <laughs> forcing me to write. Like, I did stand-up because I didn't consider myself a good writer, and it made me become more observant. It made me find more of the humor in the world. And it also just was something where, like, oh, I can keep striving at this, and I can see the... I can see results. You get booked more. You see the results of how well you're doing. Um, so I think finding different ways to write, whether that be go back to stand-up, but I actually started writing something where I took a lot of my old stand-up pieces and I put it into a new sort of piece, not necessarily stand-up. And will it ever be seen by the world? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> actually, I don't know if I'd want to share it. It's like a diary. <laughs> But I do think it really helped process and also get me in that creative flow. So maybe putting that to stage and then those other two goals. Yeah. Would be things. Those are all great and all very <laughs> attainable, but still are challenging you. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe bringing back my continuation class too. I've had a couple people request it and I love that class because it focuses more. The first foundational is very structured. And the continuation is very much like, okay, I'll just introduce a ton of elements to you guys, and then we will dive deeper into what you want to explore. So that's always really fun. Yeah. I really, I'm excited to take one of your classes because sometimes I feel like I get stuck in a bit of a rut. I'm like, I think I just need like a shift, like a shift in the way I'm learning or the way I'm receiving like feedback or like the way people are explaining it to me. 
like sometimes I'm like, I need to listen to a new Spotify playlist. Like I just need to kind of like shift where I'm at if I feel like I'm in a bit of a rut. So I think it would be great to see like how you actually teach in a class format, like especially hearing like you talk about improv and the way you teach. I think it would be great to hear a lot of concepts through your lens of seeing because it seems like you have a really good handle on most every aspect. Thank you. Maybe I've already said it. No, but yeah, <laughs> what's a compliment that's like resonated with you that you've received? Anytime my dad enjoys a show, <laughs> he hates improv. <laughs> so <laughs> I've even taken him to the IO to see my favorite, one of my favorite groups, uh, Improvised Shakespeare in Chicago. And he turned to me at the end and was like, not for me. And so he's not a huge fan, but he's a trooper and he's very cute and that he comes with my mom to support all of it. So when he likes a show, that means a lot. He recently liked one of Camp Crush and that was awesome. (laughs) And then um, one that like stuck with me at the very beginning of my time doing improv is Scott Adsit told me that like I had something like senior year and he was very encouraging me to like moved to Chicago and like do it and became sort of a mentor in that way. And just like hearing that at such a young formative age was inspiring. I mean, if you think something nice about somebody, you should just say, say it. We all need it. We're all insecure human beings, (laughs) but we're also just all navigating. And so it's nice to have positive feedback. So like that really resonated with me and, and kind of made me realize like, oh, this is something that like comedy is a part of me. Like I need to do it. I need to do it in some shape or form. And that's why the pandemic, you know, was tough for a lot of us because like a part of our identity was stripped away from us. But it also made us realize there's more to us than this one thing. But yeah, that made me kind of realize like I want to continue to pursue this in some aspect of my life. And then I think just the highest compliment as of late has just been like working with students and seeing them thrive in their own way, falling in love with it that's like such a compliment that it's like, oh, this is resonating with you to the point where you're like making this a part of your life. And like Brett and I have heard some people tell us that like this has changed their life. And to be a part of that is just so like mind-blowingly special. So yeah. Yeah. This has been so lovely. If there's anything else you want to talk about that I forgot. I just think the most important thing that people can focus on in a scene is a relationship. I think we kind of talked about it already, though. But, like, you can always dig deeper into a relationship. And when you focus on the thing or, like, the suggestion, um, that's not as interesting. But relationships are what we can all relate to. So when in doubt, go to the relationship. I actually say when in doubt. uh, And I think I got it from a podcast and also just experience doing stuff. But... When in doubt, go to your environment because you can like sink more into like how you feel and like showcase that through your environment work or drop a confession because the confession can lead to more like investigating or discovery with the person on stage with you. So, yeah, okay, great to know. Yeah, Last I was tidbit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna ask you like, yeah, when you say relationship, how do you really dig deeper? And like, what are some ways to, to dig deeper in a relationship? Because I, I used to think that conflict was a great place to start because then it gave you a place to go. It gave you like a, a resolution that was looked for. But then, you know, you find out quickly, like you don't really want to do that. Like you don't want to come in with that kind of energy. So it's learning to explore the relationship outside of conflict. Yeah. Necessarily. 
Wait, that was like started off as a question, but then you like <laughs> made a really well-rounded thought. <laughs> I was like, uh-huh, yeah, I'm learning from you. <laughs> Sorry, like I'm just saying exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Exactly. Trust yourself, right? What you're saying is interesting. Thanks. Likewise. And that's a good, like, that's a good thing to just say in general. Like, yeah, you're, like you said earlier, you're interesting enough as you are on stage. You don't need to, to do anything crazy. You're already there. Yeah. You have so much experience to pull from and it's going to be different from whoever's on stage with you. And that's why it's important to do like the brick by brick, uh, analogy that Will Hines, I'm pretty sure, uh, came up with. Uh, so like, I never know how you're going to respond. So that's the added, adapt. That's the changeable. That's the <laughs> adaptability. That's the adaptability aspect of it. Um, we're both bringing our unique experiences and point of view to the stage because we've lived these completely separate, unique, beautiful lives and just being willing to be like, okay, cool. You're bringing your perspective and I'm going to match yours, but also bring this unique thing. Um, yeah, you're all so interesting human beings. It's very cool. <laughs> wow. Okay. Am I puttering out? Sorry. No, no. We can... <laughs> No, thank you again. This has been so great. I my only thing is like I I wish I could do it again. Like it, I could talk to you about this all day. So thank you so much, seriously, for like sharing your knowledge because like you you have a lot of experience and time, and that's so valuable. So it's so great to get your take on things. And thank you for being nice enough to do it because I know you have so many things you're doing. No, this was the best. This was so much fun. I'm so excited for this podcast to grow. You're such an incredible host. Thank you for listening me go on and on and on about it. I, My family doesn't let me tell stories for a reason because I just go and go and go and then I'm not making really sense anymore. Um, but this has just been a delight. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for all you've done for our community. And thank you for, for coming on a podcast because I think this might have been one of your first ones. So <laughs> it's a little nerve wracking, but look at you. Podcasts are scary. <laughs> Sharing my thoughts. But like having it be saved, <laughs> but we're interesting enough to exist as we are. Take your own advice, right? Do you do the thing where you like plug anything? Or? Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. I was okay. gonna say, tell it's like, us. I've listened. I've listened to the pod. <laughs> yeah, like how can people support you, and what are you up to right now? Cool. Yeah, you can follow Road Trip Improv on Instagram, and probably my personal account too, if you want to. That's kind of we want creepy, to. but. I post a lot of sentimental stuff. It's really sappy. It's like this interview. Uh, but <laughs> Mad Dog, M-A-D-D-A-W-G, 510. I post a lot of my shows there. But Road Trip Improv, I'll post like where those shows are and also about my teaching there. And then Camp Crush Improv as well. Those are some places to find me. And I'm all around the city. And in the conservatory at Dad's. I... Until October or November. I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> Find me at my address. No, just pl please don't. <laughs> Did you say your social security number yet uh, or no? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was getting to that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, thanks, Madeline. I'm so excited to see where you go over the next couple months and what you do. And yeah, thanks again. Thank you.